Hello, and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, perspectives on aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. Hi, and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast. I'm, uh, I'm sitting here with my trusty sidekick, Todd Mitten. <laughs> Is that now I'm your sidekick? Are we doing... <laughs> You want to talk about airplanes, say, Chris? You, know, you want to talk about, I don't know, I, uh, running cattle on the ranch. <laughs> I, I had a few other things I was going to say, but I'll just you know keep those. No, but Todd and I thought it would be kind of fun to, to talk a little bit about uh, the life and maybe some of the interesting, uh, somewhat humorous, somewhat, uh, some of them are probably even not the most rational things that we do as, uh, you know, as airline pilots to to support our careers and uh and that kind of thing so uh anyway Todd. yeah and there's it's kind of a wide topic but there is uh certainly some interesting aspects of this job not talking about flying the airplanes but talking right. about uh, how it is going to work we're both commuters we can probably both tell some stories about how, right how that business works out so so explain that, that term What's a commuter in the airline world? A commuter, obvious. Well, I should say obviously, a commuter is a, a pilot or a flight attendant or any other that doesn't live where he or she is based. So, uh, in my case, I'm based in Dallas Fort Worth. I live in the Kansas City area, and you're based in Minneapolis, and obviously live in the Kansas City area too. So, so what that means is it's on our time. Well. Maybe you guys at Brand X have a little better gig, but uh, in general, it's on our time to get to work uh, in in our base and then be ready to fly our trip when the trip starts. Trip starts at 12 o'clock, you know, we have to be in place before 12 o'clock. And so you have to plan your day really starting at your home. And we don't we don't buy tickets. We're airline pilots. We're cheap. We fly for, for usually in most airline cases, it's free, but it's standby. So there has to be a seat available or a jump seat. Right. So, Which is the cockpit jump seat. Uh, and can you guys use the flight attendant jump seat no, if it's available? No. So we can do that. Oh, you uh, can. Yeah. If there's, if a flight attendant is not using it, yeah. um, we can, we can do that, which is nice because it allows, uh, you know, uh, somebody from another airline sure. who needs a seat because they can't sit on the flight attendant jump no. seat, so we'll move back to a flight attendant jump seat and allow them to sit in the cockpit. That's but, interesting. So this is one of the, this is why I said you know one of the maybe less rational things we do, uh, commuting. You know you have the option of either living in base, so every airline has a certain number of bases that uh, their employees work out of, their, their pilots or flight attendants, and so the, they they have a support structure there with a you know a pilot's case. There's a chief pilot's office an admin structure there, and then, um, you know, all your trips start and end there. And so, you know, uh, where I am, we've got, uh, you know, probably six or seven of them. I, I don't know, there may be more than that now. I don't know. And so you just don't live there. You decide for whatever reason you don't want to live in base, which forces you to commute to work uh, on, you know, three or four times a month when you go on a, on a long trip. So what's the reason... What's your rationale for not living in base? Well, I wouldn't get, if I were living in Dallas, Fort Worth, I wouldn't get to hang out with you, Chris. That's the driving. That's, you know, that's, that was my answer. Uh, 
You know, that, that's a great question that I ask myself every day. <laughs> every time you commute to work. I can tell you that it, you are, as an airline pilot, far better off living where you can drive to your job yes. and get on the airplane. You yep. spend 20% less time involved in your job and make 20% more money. than Because you're than available for extra flying. Exactly. Uh, but in, in our case, you know, my wife has a job here. I spent 30 years in the Air National Guard in Missouri, mm -hmm. so that was a good excuse. There was just, there's always been a reason to stay. Kansas City is a is a wonderful place to live, too. Great place to raise kids. And so uh, my kids are growing and gone. I'm running out of excuses not to move, except, so now I'm down to using you as an excuse. So you've been you've been commuting your whole... I really have, yeah. Your whole career. I seen... TWA in 96, yeah. Yeah. See, and then mine, mine, I have, I'm one of those, those, uh, guys who used to live in base and then I chose to move out of base and commute. So I've been commuting the last, oh geez, I guess it's going on 20 years now, but you know, I lived in base. For, so do you have, have you got any good horror stories about commuting? Oh, uh, Todd, you know that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so, you know, if you're getting on an airliner and you know, you see a pilot or a flight attendant in a uniform and they're going to the back of the plane. Uh, chances are that's what they're doing is they're commuting to work. The other term here to use, and they're not really d interchangeable, is, is deadheading. So you'll see a, a crew that's deadheading, and that's a, just a, a reposition. So they are on duty, and they're, they're being moved from one location to another by the airline to facilitate a, a flight out of that other location typically. So uh, you'll see, you know, you, you may see a variety of crew members on an airplane. Some are deadheading. Some are on their own time just going to work and commuting. So the key, key distinction there being the ones that are deadheading are getting compensated for that. Yes, and they've got a seat. They've got a guaranteed yeah, seat. Where, where those of us that are commuting, A, don't have a guaranteed seat and certainly are not being compensated either because it's our own choice to live in a location other than where we're based. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, and you never know the reason. It could even be something. There, there's plenty of stories of people who live in one base, but they want to fly at another base where they're more senior because they want to fly a wide-body airplane that's based maybe in New York, and they can't hold it in right Dallas. They want to fly a left seat where they can in a junior base right. again. So, New York. <laughs> New York always yeah, yeah, always comes true. to mind because uh, <laughs> nobody wants to. Uh, you know, no offense to anybody that's there, but we. Uh, in the airline world, very few people live there. The cost of living is very high. So the, the seniority in the New York bases for all the majors is very yes, junior. Very junior. Uh, the senior people will get out as quick as they can, typically. That is absolutely correct. The, uh, so these, I asked you about some horror stories or whatever. And I, you know, for the most part, as often as we do commute, I suppose it does work out most of the time. I have... You know, knock on wood, I have never missed a trip due to commuting. And that's, oh, that's good, because I have. Yeah, uh, most people have. I don't know how I've managed to avoid that. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you I've had some crazy uh, scenarios. I remember flying, uh, uh, this one, I was actually furloughed from a from DFW-based Brand X, and I was, I was flying on Southwest... Uh, I was, I was with American Eagle, and we had flown back as a captain on a regional jet there, and this was in probably 2006 or something, and, and the winds were howling in Dallas, and, and it's one of those rare times around the three ones at Dallas-Fort Worth, you know, they can't even 
came to use the north-south runways because the winds were right. so strong out of the west, uh, exceeding crosswind limits. So they have to use three one, and they had, and then they had such a dust storm going that uh, the airplanes were diverting, and to include Love Field, and I was I was actually riding on South American's flight was canceled. I was riding on Southwest to Love Field, and I was going to go over to Dallas Fort Worth to fly my trip. Well, we diverted on the Southwest flight to Austin. So now I'm in Austin, and it's still not time for my sign-in for my trip. And I am I walk down to the American Airlines operation and see that uh, I, I overhear there's an Eagle uh, flight, because a bunch of American Airlines airplanes had, had diverted to Austin. Again, Dallas Fort Worth oh, sure. was a mess. And I end up riding on this ferried American Eagle flight up to uh, a Dallas Fort Worth and I made my trip after yeah. all this I mean crazy divert to Austin and still make it. And you it. were going to time have to take a car or some kind of ground oh, transportation yeah. over to DFW so it probably didn't cost you all that much extra time did it? No it worked out great yeah you're exactly right because it didn't wait very long and they had you know for a while Dallas Fort Worth and Love Field I think were closed which of course works in my favor too. Yeah. I had another one I got to tell real quick that was a lucky just just came to mind. It was quite a thrill for me. I was uh, I was a new hire at TWA in 1996, and I was a New York-based, go figure, brand new, for a few months as a 727 flight engineer. And and I finished a trip. It might have been IOE. I might have just gotten, literally just finished my initial operating experience as a 727 flight engineer and gotten signed off by the instructor. And, and, uh, so now I was at Kennedy, and those of you that are familiar with the LaGuardia is the kind of the domestic airport. Kennedy certainly is more domestic flying than there used to be out of Kennedy, but it was it was kind of limited. And I overheard someone in TWA operations commenting that that TWA was ferrying a 747 from. Uh, Kennedy to St. Louis in, in an hour or two or something. And so, lo and behold, I was able to commute to St. Louis, and then, of course, mm. on to Kansas City where I lived, but uh, out of Kennedy on, on an empty 747, which I chose to ride in the cockpit because I had never driven right. It's the only time I ever did, I guess, a Lufthansa years ago, but... But it's the only time I ever got to ride in the cockpit of a 747, and that was a pretty neat experience. Yeah. Another successful commute. Yeah, yeah. That's um, you know, sometimes, like you said, sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. I mean, now I've missed I've missed a trip before. We had a policy that was called uh, it was called call in honest. So the way it worked is you had to have a primary flight and a backup flight. Uh, on plan for your commute, right, so right. you couldn't yep. just because you're flying standby, you just couldn't take the last flight that got you in two minutes before sign in, right? And and be okay there. I mean, you could theoretically, but if you didn't have a backup, then um, you know I think the backup, I think it had to even had a time frame. I think it was two hours or an hour or something. So you know you're getting to work pretty early, and on that occasion, it was both of them went away. One, I think it was one here in Kansas City canceled. And then the next one, uh, and I think it was maybe Southwest, and I think they ended up delayed. It was, I think it was all weather related. And so, you know, 
here I am stuck, can't get to work. And so it's a it was a no harm no foul type of situation. Nobody wants to miss uh, you know going to no, work. No. And it's, it's all about communication. But, and and uh, normally then you're expected to be still attempting to get to work. You're still attempting to get to work, right? But you just and, don't get penalized for missing. The and trip. for me, you know, I'm I'm uh, it's six and a half hour drive, and I've done that drive before, but you know that's that's a, a last resort on all respects because it's, you know, it's six and a half hours. I mean, you don't usually have that much time. You're not getting, you know, it's an hour flight. I can still get up there three or four hours prior. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of extra sit around time. People will say, well, my gosh, you know, you, you do that. But then <laughs> invariably it's the guy that commutes 45 minutes to work every day, each way in traffic. And I, you know, I said, okay, let's do the math here. Right. You're, you're sitting in your car 45 minutes every day, uh, minimally, uh, and you know you're you're you can't do anything. I mean, there's very little you can do while you're there. At least while I'm doing it, I can sleep or I can I can work, knock out yeah. some work or, or I can you know do something that's productive. So um, you know it's again it's not ideal. And you know my reasoning for it was you know I wanted to be here for uh, close to the kids' family. You know that's why we moved back up here. We started having kids, and we wanted them to be close to the family. As it turns out. <laughs> Uh, they either died or they moved away. So now, so now here we are, pretty much the only ones in the family left around here. So, At least your uh, kids are still in the area. <laughs> only half of mine are. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, there there's some commuting uh, success stories, though, too. And I just happen to have one uh, in. And by commuting success stories, I'm and this is the best feeling. And we all who commute know this. Every once in a while, there's no way you're gonna get home, or you're gonna, you know, you're gonna end up having to spend yes. the night at your base, or, or something is going on that is is makes it just like, well, uh, this is not gonna work out today. And then, lo and behold, the seas part, and whether it's whether it's there was the flight was oversold, and now suddenly uh, another flight misconnected, and you're getting a first class seat, or whether it's uh, uh, a case of the flight that you were the last flight of the night. And this just happened to me. Uh, the last flight of the night was delayed about 50 minutes. And I, I arrived, I literally blocked in from my flight that I operated, uh, exactly 30 minutes after the scheduled, after the scheduled departure of the last flight from Dallas, Fort Worth to Kansas city. And that last flight was still there. And I ran down the hall and and made the flight and rode in the cockpit and and made it home uh, and and you feel like you've won the lottery. You find, yeah, you really do. It's like that you know you get one good shot while you're out golfing and it brings you back. <laughs> That's a great analogy. It's a great analogy yep. because then you said, "Oh, this commuting's not That's so, so bad. bad." Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of, of course, then I waited. Uh, I missed the employee bus at MCI. By the way, to tell you that. By probably two minutes, I was standing there with another pilot, and he and I had got off that flight that we commuted in on, and then to catch the employee bus uh, at night, it only runs every half hour right. at the employee lot, and we must have just missed it because we stood there for 28 minutes out in the cold uh, waiting on it. So. Well, to see, that's the difference between you and me, Todd, is that uh, I, I subscribe to the princess parking theory. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, you are, yes, what, what princess parking is, is uh, my wife brings me, she drops me off right there at the front door, and then she's right there picking me up. 
I wish she'd pick me up once in a while. <laughs> that is the way to do it. So, so while we're commuting, sometimes we end up in conversations with passengers. Uh, yeah. Other people, maybe whether they have an interest in aviation, I don't mind. I don't mind people asking questions if they're curious about flying or or aviation or something. Uh, I don't run into that a lot, though. Do you? I mean, where people are curious about aviation? You know, anymore? not so much. People are so much to themselves. I mean, uh, you know, with the advent of uh, the screens on the back of the seats. Um, or your phone. Or, or your phone, yeah. And it's, it's uh, you, you can almost always tell when you sit down whether the person next to you is going to want to talk or not. You know, and what we keep, we, and sometimes they're just nervous, and I get that. But it's funny because I've I've had you know I've had my my Bose headsets on, and then uh, I get a little ringing of the ear, so I keep my uh, those yellow uh, earplugs in. So I've got both of them on, and sometimes people will see me put them both on, and then they'll strike up the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, that's fine. I'm not trying to be um, antisocial necessarily. Sometimes. But usually it's just, you know, it's just, I just get tired of the Well, noise. I thought your mask said, don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so you, you do get that. You know, have you ever thrown a fellow pilot under the bus? I've had fun with this with somebody I've known where, you know, they've gone back and they're walking back. Then I'll make a PA that, hey, if you have any questions, uh, you know, uh, Captain so and so sitting in seat so and so is happy to answer him. <laughs> oh, I need to do that next time. Uh, I think of a couple people that uh, you and I both know that I will do that too. Mm -hmm. I think that'd be a classic. that's that's kind of fun, you know. Yeah. Little just little things like that. Like if I know the flight attendants are overhearing a jump seater, that's uh, you know they're just kind of eavesdropping on the jump seater conversation. I'll, I'll just say a little bit louder. Uh, would you go back there and make sure you're testing that flight attendant call button a couple times for me? <laughs> you know, just, just to make sure it works. <laughs> Those are good ideas. I need to incorporate. <laughs> yeah, but you, you get that. You know, you, you'll sit back there. And, of course, now, you know, my name, my last name is Kirk, right? So Captain Kirk. So I get all of the Captain Kirk stuff. And uh, I've actually even stopped on my, my main jacket wearing a name tag on it because because oh invariably, you know, invariably I'll see some guy. Well, this happened not too long ago. I was walking through first class. There's these two guys right there at the bulkhead. And uh, and they start kind of talking and snickering. And they keep looking at me. And I just, I, I like messing with people a little bit. And so I looked at them both. They weren't, they weren't acknowledging me necessarily. And I looked at them both and I said, I know what you're talking about. And trust me, it's not original. I've heard it before, uh, and they <laughs> and they just start laughing. <laughs> yeah, we hear certain things because uh, we've talked about it, and airline pilots will talk about things that the common lines you'll hear when when you're walking to the back of the airplane for your commute flight. Uh, probably the most common is, "Well, shouldn't you be flying the airplane?" Or, "What are you doing back here?" Or, "Boy, I guess it's safe." Cause, cause you're here. Cause you're here, yeah. And uh, it's the same. I think we all hear the same. Yep. The same. Or way. you'll see. You ever sense that you know you start getting into some rough weather or some, you know, and you'll feel the eyes start looking at you yes. to see how you react. Yes. You know. <laughs> Sometimes I think I think it might be kind of fun just to overreact, but I'm <laughs> like, nope, just try to try to yeah. just, you know. What uh, what sort of questions have you been asked? 
Uh, you know, the standard ones. What's your route? What, what route, route do you what fly? Route do you fly? Well, I'm the Kansas City to Minneapolis pilot. <laughs> <laughs> That's We're what I want to say. Folks, I, I, we shouldn't because we probably have listeners who don't realize that, that what we, as airline pilots, you fly a particular airplane. Where the airline chooses to fly that particular airplane is up to the airline. We're qualified with a few nuances a certain like mountain airports maybe you have to have a special checkout but in general once you're checked out on an airplane you're qualified to fly it to any airport yeah. that, that airline serves so we don't fly a quote route that's i think must be more of a train or truck driver or something i don't know, I don't know. and I, I think way back when you know when they actually had routes yeah, that were named maybe, you know maybe yeah but yeah, we like, so like, uh, I'm on the 737, we fly all North America, I'll go, you know, Anchorage, uh, we don't do much Canada on it, but we do a lot of Caribbean, uh, you know, like this weekend, I'm going to be down in Costa Rica, uh, and so ours is, our map is, is a pretty, pretty wide as far as that airplane goes, and and you're on the, the 320, and so, same thing, same thing. Uh, uh, did I tell you I've been international? You did, yeah. yeah, so, uh, we'll see if I get that, uh, the... Uh, right now, it's just it's domestic U.S., Canada, and and Mexico, and then I've just put in a, a request to, at the airline to fly. Uh, we use it on some international routes to the northern part of South America as well as Central right. America and the Caribbean, and and they consider that uh, international. Eventually, as we get additional. Uh, newer versions of the A321, then we're going to fly that to uh, Europe, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, we do fly them right now to uh, west coast of Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. So. Yeah, we were doing that for a while on the 900. Uh, that was kind of an oversell job by Boeing, I think, on the capabilities of the airplane. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it lasted for a while, but not for a long That's, while. That makes me nervous, too, about the possibilities of the of the XLR. Will it meet the the, what they what Airbus says it will do, if yeah. it does, it's gonna be fantastic. Well, they've never aer, uh, manufacturers have never oversold the capabilities no, on an airplane. No, <laughs> our <laughs> listeners probably know that as as a, yeah. A one hey, one. let's put the top speed in miles an hour because it sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's marketing. Uh, so, what other uh, little oddities are, are there to our job that aren't actually our job? Uh, we. We do show. What do you do at the airport? You mentioned getting a little work done or or whatever. When you're killing time yeah. prior to your actual trip, or or even you get a delay, like you're you're midway through your trip and you were, you know, you had a what you thought was an hour turn in Salt Lake City. That well, no, it's going to be three hours. Right. Well, and and so what happens is, uh, and I think some people like think that, you know, if we've got a, we're, there's a delay going on and maybe we know about it ahead of time. Um, you know, and they'll see us walk up at the last minute. They're like, oh, it was those guys. Well, no, we, we've got an ops section uh, at every airport, most airports. Anyway. At least we have a base there where we can we can be down there kind of watching what's going on with the delay, keeping track of it. You know, you're checking weather, you're doing all these other things as well. And then there's just a, you know, there's a place to go relax and read a book or, or take a nap or, or uh, grab a bite to eat or, or whatever, you know. Right. And I, I typically do, you know, a lot of wild blue work when I'm, when I'm sitting around, I, cause I'm not a, I don't like just sitting, you know, I like, I like to be active and doing something. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, just, uh, 
uh, I like to do the same thing. I go to, a, as you described it, an ops area that's just, it's for the pilots or crew members. And depending on the airport, uh, some of them are kind of exclusively pilots. Some of them are all crew members. Uh, so that's one way to get, get a little respite because we're, we're in these airports a lot. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, a couple flights a year or something. I know there's some business travelers that fly you know, very, very, very regularly, but but on average, we fly more than, than most people, almost yeah. everyone. So it's kind of nice to just get out of that airport. And I sympathize with the business travelers who are there a lot, because I, I personally, up in the terminal area, I find it to be an extremely fatiguing environment. Uh, the incessant uh, messaging that goes on, the, the yes. constant, uh, you know, the PAs about this and that and everything else. And then you go to some of these airports and they've got the beeping carts and it's just like, you can't, it's, it's hard to make a phone call. It is. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't hardly get on the phone and do anything because everybody's talking and, you know, and they're telling you about the TSA rules and requirements and the masks and, you know, and everybody's heard it a gazillion times. Um, and, and now they've gone, I noticed in some places, the local, local politicians are using that oh, yes. form to promote Essentially, I feel to promote themselves. Hello, I'm Mayor So and So, Mayor of the yeah. uh, blankety blank city, and I want to welcome you to our city. You know, we're we're glad you're here. And by the way, wear your mask, you know, or whatever it right. may be. So, uh, it's... you know what I find funny about that? Cause you you hit the nail on the head there. So, uh, Atlanta, I'll call out Atlanta because they do that. The last three mayors' message has been the same, which tells me there ain't a, a stitch of originality amongst any of those politicians. It's just it's just the same song and dance, you know, and I'm like, come on. We don't, I mean, yes, for the traveler that goes through that airport once a year, fantastic. But the rest of us, frankly, we're sick and tired of hearing it, from yes. employees to, to seasoned travelers. And it would be so nice to have a, uh, a place where you could just, and it's hard, and that's why we go to these these ops places. Well, I think this is why why seasoned travelers feel it's worth the money to join these clubs, whether yes. it's through, whether it's the actual airline club, the Admirals Club at, at American. I I'm sure what's Delta Sky Club, Sky Rock Stars, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they. Uh, I I think that's a great idea, and and then some. There's even these uh, uh, credit cards. Right, American Express and so on have a uh, a club, and it, just to get out of that, your, your comment was great. Fatiguing is a is exactly right. That's I hadn't really thought of it that way, but that's exactly what it is. It just beats you down after a while, and it's so nice to get a little respite from that. Uh, of course, if you're retired military or currently serving, you know the USO at a lot of airports yeah. is a great. There's such nice people that work in the USO and and volunteering their time uh, I really appreciate that organization uh, and, and getting out of that environment's important uh, what else uh, well you know something just to give you a little you could try to sh just shed a little light on the inside operations questions that we get you know one of the things that uh, I think a lot of people don't realize is that pilots and flight attendants both we don't start getting paid until that door is closed on that airplane. So, and, and I think every airline is a little bit different, but in our case, the beacon's got to be on and I've got to release the brakes and yeah. that's what trips the trips the thing. So all the stuff that we're doing ahead of time, we're not getting paid for. 
We're not getting paid for any of the, you know, reviewing the flight plan, uh, looking at the weather. Pre-flighting the airplane. Pre-flighting the airplane, briefing the flight attendants, dealing with passenger issues, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then the same thing, as soon as we block in, as soon as that door opens, boom, that clock stops. And that's when we yes. stop getting paid. So, um, you know, sometimes people will ask questions about that. No, I think that's a great, that's a great point. And, and we are... It might explain why people want to go high. And although most most of us appreciate, and we do represent the company that we work for, and, and try to take the time to answer sure answer questions and and uh, and even laugh with the with the guy that's telling the joke that we've heard a <laughs> uh, hundred times. But you know, yep. uh, hey, that's that's all right. That's the way it is. And. Uh, I have a question. Where is the tarmac? You know, the, that is an elusive place, the tarmac. We, uh, we were sitting out there on the tarmac. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, another one is we don't, and, and many of our listeners are pilots, I think you know, we don't, quote, sit on the runway for yes. uh, 30 minutes waiting on a gate. As that would pretty well shut down the rest of the airport while we sat on the runway. Sat on the runway. Or, uh, or... We were circling the airport. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever circled in, you know, 16,000 hours of flying. I'm not sure I've ever circled the airport. How, how about that That one flight I was on, we dropped 1,000 feet. Yeah. <laughs> when we hit that turbulence, so we dropped, must have dropped 1,000 feet. Uh, there's, there's some funny ones that, that we've all heard. Yep. I, I kind of have a, a slightly tongue-in-cheek um, thing I'll t- you know talk to people about and say you know uh, we're flying around these airliners we've got a hundred and some odd experts sitting in the back yes. you know that uh, that they're all sure that we are um, not telling them the truth or you know and in some cases frankly that's probably the case but uh, yeah. but, but but most of the time we're just you know we're telling you what we know which oftentimes is is somewhat limited. Yep. Uh, we, we're not getting all the information either. And that's, you know, trust me, that's as frustrating to me as it is to you because, exactly. um, you don't have 180 sets of eyeballs looking at you, trying to figure out, you know, what the, Hey, is this guy doing? Um, we're sometimes we just don't have it all. And, exactly uh, and, and sometimes right. it's, it's because, you know, I think one of the more frustrating things is, is, uh, the FAA a lot of times doesn't share a lot of that information on delays, you know, uh, for the life of me, I cannot figure out why. I can't fig- I can't get a, uh, a takeoff time until I push back, and then though they won't tell you that until you push back, and then oh by the way you've got a thirty minute delay. How about telling me that ahead of time so I can not board this airplane and, and let you, people be comfortable? You'll hear people use the term uh, pilots use the term EDCT or edict, estimated departure clearance time. Yes, so just but we don't get those until until you push off. They want to see movement uh, of that airplane, but that's frustrating, you know because. That is true. Uh, you're, you got everybody in there. It's a captive audience, and nobody wants to be there. But you know, I got to tell you, at the end of the day, I enjoy, I enjoy taxiing the airplane around. I enjoy pushing the throttles forward. I, I'm sorry, they're thrust levers in the Airbus. Uh, I enjoy landings. It's all fun. So yeah, you know, I enjoy working with the people I work with for the most part. Most yeah. of them are, are great. So yeah, they are. There's a there's a good cadre of people and the passengers. It's fun to it's fun to. Develop a develop a momentary rapport with with somebody, share a laugh, joke about their, yep. uh, you know, if they're wearing a, a, a college 
t-shirt or something like that. You can you can act like I've never heard of that school or whatever it may be. They just and and people do appreciate. I think the personalizing of it. Yes, so they do. And and again, most people are. You know, most of the people are, are very, very good. You get the few that aren't. So that leads to the next question. I get this question all the time. Have you had to kick anybody off the airplane lately? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you yes, get that that's one? become a new one. Yes. That's, uh, uh, people think it's it's like a, a free-for-all up there right now. Over the past two years, you know, we had we were really heavily, heavily into COVID, and people think it was a... Uh, like, like, literally, there were fights breaking out on every airplane. Yeah. Now, I think I shared this with last week. I was, uh, you know, I was on a paid ticket um, on another airline going out to California to, to visit with a client. And we're sitting out there for the longest time, out uh, sitting on the yeah. runway. No, yeah. we're, you know, we're sitting out there uh, on the tarmac. tarmac yeah. <laughs> uh, we were out there in the uh, just holding short of the runway and. Uh, finally, it came to light that we were having a passenger issue in the back, and we taxied, you know, they taxied the airplane back in and got that guy got uh-huh. on the plane. You know, and he was muttering some kind of crap on his way out. But um, better them than us. Though. Yeah, you but know, I, I'm trying know. to think. I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever had to throw. Any, I've had to, I've had to lay down the law a couple yeah. of times. Uh, you know, which usually is enough, yeah. and we can just all go about our day because it just nobody wants to. You know, it just drives me nuts the thought of one person inconveniencing a right. hundred and some odd other people. Exactly. Uh, and that's just patently unfair to and, the rest of the And you don't want to just, you need to, you need to show that you mean business, but it, conversely, really at the end of the day, everybody's going to lose. It's going to cost us, even us as, as pilots time. It means a shorter layover, or missing your commuter flight home, or whatever. Right. So we don't want that. Nobody wants that. If you can diffuse it and and let it go, then yeah, you know, just let it go. <laughs> so if you can catching that commuter flight home, maybe we can kind of wrap things up here. But I was thinking, so I, I'm sure if you if you pulled all the data. That last leg of the trip, <laughs> for some odd reason, those legs seem to be flown the fastest. It's just crazy how that works. How the, it's almost like the people who are pushing the power up have con- uh, control of the early arrival. Yeah, you know, because you might have a commuter on board that is trying to catch a flight. So, I, I, you know, this is one of these stories. I don't. You might have heard it too, but I, I was following the guy one time, and, and he told me that that. This is the way the captain responded. They a message came across a cars. Uh, you know, how come you're flying at you know, let's say it was 0.8 when the the plan program speed might have been 0.76 or something. You know, the dispatcher seeing this, right? And then the captain responds because this thing won't go 0.9. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. Well, it's fun fun topic. I hope you guys found this interesting. Uh, uh, just something we could uh, banter back and forth about. That obviously Chris and I enjoy our airline careers, and we certainly enjoy uh, talking to pilots, talking to aircraft owners, uh, helping those who are looking for airplanes, and helping those who are looking to sell an airplane. So if you have any questions for us, feel free to give us a call, 888-773-4249, or look us up on the web at flywildblue.com. Thanks for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. Find us online at flywildblue.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.